interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hey everybody and hello humans, this is Josh with Not A Robot Comics Podcast, part of the Not A Robot Podcast Network. You can find us at notarobotpodcasts.com and today is going to be a little bit different. We had a a member of our podcast that had some... uh, some band practice and was unable to make it. And unfortunately, we had uh, Rob uh, has suffered a loss in his family. And I wanted to express how much we here in, in my home and at the Not A Robot Podcast Network in general uh, send our hearts out to him and his family. Uh, we lost a member of the Not A Robot Podcast Network, and that is very, very hard. Uh well, picking up from a rather sad note, uh, we are going to take a slightly different approach, or I am rather, to reviewing the comic books this week. I've got some that are in-depth, I've got some that are shorter, uh, adjusting on the fly due to the circumstances. So I've got some honorable mentions, and again, the short and longer reviews. If you like what's going on in the podcast, um, except for the freaky-deaky one that we are doing today, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcasts. I think that's right. (laughs) Um, You can do a one-time donation. You can do a monthly donation for as little as $5. Doing that will not only help support the podcast and let us uh, bring you more quality content, but we will. Uh, it will also allow you access to our Discord, and you can get in there and talk with us nerds about all kinds of stuff, uh, pop culture, serious stuff. Uh, you can toss around ideas on the show. We have definitely had that happen before, and it could happen with you. So, uh, yeah, you could go ahead and join the Not A Robot Podcast Network if you're interested. Keep us going. Have some fun. But that is enough of that. Let us go ahead and get into the books today. I'm going to skip some comic news because I don't have anybody to talk to about it. But going in, we have the honorable mentions. Uh, The first one I'm going to mention is Rogues number 2. It is a pretty damn good story so far. I recommend you go out and pick it up. If I gave it a rating, it'd be a 7.75 out of 10. And the only reason for that, of course, is that it is non-essential and a little long written by somebody that does have a penchant for a uh, for not wrapping things up in the, the right way. Uh, the next one I want to mention is Dark Knights of Steel number six. It continues to be smashing the, uh, the stories, the characters, how they interact and how different they are, but how good the story is. It's there's a lot of good things that are brought to this issue, and uh, if I was to give this one a rating, it would probably be 8.75 out of 10. Beyond the White Knight, number two is still a great story. Looking forward to White Knight Presents Red Hood, so we can see Red Hood with his Robin. This one continues an excellent story with amazing art. You should pick that up. This is about an 8.75 out of 10, too. And then... Finally, we have the Joker number 14. It's wrap-up time for an arc that I was back and forth on, but ultimately not really impressed with. 
it sounds like we've got one more issue to go in this arc and um it would take a lot for me to 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 recommend this run as something somebody would be interested in and then um you can go ahead and skip Teen Titans Academy number 14. It's okay. It's a decent issue. It really is. And, of course, it looks good. But after a crappy run and a funky story that kind of made no sense and was really, really long, drawn out, and ultimately inconsequential, is it worth it, the the money to go buy that? Um, ultimately, no. I'd, In my opinion, in any case. Uh, and that's about it with the honorable mentions, or dishonorable in the case of the last one. But I'm going to go ahead and move on to Swamp Thing number 12. Uh, written by Ram V, art from Mike Perkins and Mike Spicer on Inside and Out, and Liam Sharp on that variant cover if you get a chance to go pick that up or at least look at it. You definitely should. Aditya Bidikar on the lettering as well. Uh, what we have in this issue is the origin of the Pale Pilgrim when, uh, from what I believe to be a new parliament coming, the Parliament of Gears, Machinery, Metal. Jennifer Reese and Tefe Holland fight successfully to free Levi. And uh, meanwhile, in Detroit, uh, they do it by plucking that rose that was holding him together and trying to talk to him through it. Uh, but meanwhile, in Detroit, Jack Hawksmore is introduced to the Parliament of Gears and is able to fight them off. While Levi and Jennifer confess their love and brown chicken brown cow, Hawksmore again fights off being swallowed by the living metal atrocity swamp thing pulls him away for a talk while hawksmore talks about how the parliament of gears has just been asleep and now they are waking up swamp thing says all manner of things are rising so does that mean we're going to get a whole bunch more parliaments because that would be cool as hell as long as it doesn't get too crazy in fact at the end of the book it looks like we may have a new avatar of the parliament of radioactivity or something similar to that in any case and those two things do make sense because they've been dumped into the earth for so much that i could see it being a parliament so honestly this one is a little word heavy but it's like reading a novel with pictures i would be complaining a whole bunch if it wasn't such an amazing story with such mind-blowing art that the, the uh, word bubbles don't take away from the art and whatsoever as always, I am just in love with this, and I give it a 9 out of 10. And next up is Aquaman number 3, written by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas, with art from Max Rayner and Hi-Fi on the colors, and, we're, and world design doing lettering, and a cover from Travis Moore and Adriana Lucas. Just real quick on this one, we're carrying on the story, and finally, everyone is starting to get the big picture, but not the whole thing definitely not the whole thing the 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 big question at the start that mara has is where is jackson well he's in gotham but nobody knows that at least not right now arthur manta and mara are working together now after arthur explains what's going on and what orm has done 
And then he leads them to a huge armory, saying that a huge secret armory, let me put that, saying that they need to stop Jackson, um, find him and stop him. Uh, out of concern, not stop him what he's doing. But Jackson is in Gotham because he's tracking down the real source of the problem. That's when he finds Scavenger, who has an upgraded power suit and starts whooping the hell out of Jackson until Arthur and Manta arrive. Now, this was a really cool issue, and it bums me out that the series got canceled, at least from what I understand. I hope we get it wrapped up in some way. It looks great. It reads great. It was just off to a bit of a shaky start. The lead-in from Black Manta certainly didn't help any. I had a fun time with it anyway, man. Um, Scavenger is like a C-list Aquaman villain, if the list can even go down that far. That's the really confusing part, but hey, use your resources, I guess. The art in this thing is beautiful, like always. Every single Aquaman-centric book as of late, with the with the exception of the Black Manta book, has had stellar art. And this is no different. So because of that, I am going to give this one an 8 out of 10. Next up is Action Comics number 1042. Of course, we've got the main world's main war world story up front and the Martian Manhunter backup in the rear. So uh, the first part was written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art inside and out from Ricardo Federici and colored by Lee Lowridge with uh, letters from Dave Sharp. Now I don't want to drop too many spoilers on this one uh, because it's, I'm telling you, it's definitely worth your money to go out and buy it. Uh, it's the battle that we've been headed toward, and it's a damn good one. And oh my god, it looks so good while you're reading it. Plus, the Gen Genesis fragments play an unexpected role, and Lois and John Henry make an important appearance. Um, that's all I'm giving you, because you, you need to go read this, and I can't stress that enough. Not only is the art great, great in this book, in nearly every single panel, the faces, the scenery, the action, the colors, the pencils, oh my god. Um, I just didn't like OMAC, really, uh, but some of it is seriously artwork all over the place in this issue. Federici isn't on fire, he's ablaze, like nuclear even, and Low Ridge is right there next to him. I like what's going on with the battle, that all the Genesis fragments are connected, the whole thing. Superman has started a revolution on War World. That's something I never thought I would see, and the execution of this is absolutely brilliant. Chef's kiss, and I don't think I've ever s s s said that before. <laughs> um, this part of the story for sure got a 9.75 out of 10 from me. And now we move over to the backup. And um, I don't know if you remember from last issue, but it was a rather dis grotesque display of Martian Manhunter's body just kind of almost melting. And uh, there's no primer in this one. It's just kablow. I don't know which fucked up Martian face I find more horrifying, this one or the last one. But, uh, uh, so I was, I was, I was half wrong on this one. There's no death of Martian Manhunter, but half right that he'd be checking out of stories for a while. At least that's how I read it. 
It was a decent read, nothing spectacular, just a quick way to bring Martian Manhunter back into the DC fold and stories right before JL number 75, which we will be getting to later. Uh, the art was good. The story was decent. If you're a Martian Manhunter uh, casual fan, it might not be, be for you. But uh, if you're a big one or you're just really interested in hearing some of the different things that you should go back and read throughout Martian Manhunter history, then check that out too. I gave this one a 7 out of 10. Um due to its lack of relevancy. It, it was really good, though. Don't let the score fool you. Trial of the Amazons number two. This is a huge creative team putting this one together. On the script, we have Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Vida Ayala, Stephanie Williams, and Joel Jones, with art from Elena Casagrande, Laura Braga, Skylar Partridge, Adriana Mello, and Joel Jones, with coloring from Romulo Ferriaro Jr. and Jordi Belair. Pat Brassou did the lettering, and it was wrapped in a cover from Jim Chang and J. David Ramos. The war is on as all of the Amazons unite to fight against chaos. It was Antiope that made the appearance in the in the temple before, and she leads Queen Nubia and some others, uh, Cassie and the like, to a secret armory with weapons so powerful that they were hidden away. It's the war chest of Nike. So they grab all of the weapons and, well, just do it. <laughs> they let Artemis out to help, and she's allowed to run away to avoid punishment afterward. They win the fight, obviously, and then to wrap things up, Yara is officially dubbed Wonder Girl, though she has a, a bit of an issue with the girl part. And with all the time being led by Nubia in the fight against Chaos, all the different tribes being led by Nubia, the tribes decide to all recognize her as queen, not just of the Themyscirans, but of all Amazons. This is exactly what I needed for the conclusion of this story. I had to check the page count while I was reading it just to check and see if it was a bit oversized because it felt like I got so much out of it. It wasn't. I liked the whole arc overall, and this issue was a definite standout. I'd also like to point out that this is pretty much exactly what Rob and I said would happen, of course. Oh, and don't let me forget to mention how great the art is from the amazing art team. It was absolutely stunning. This entire story arc is phenomenally beautiful. Every single issue. Uh, Trial of the Amazons number 2 gets a 9 out of 10 for me. It easily deserves that score. And with that, I think it's time for a commercial. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. All right, and we are back from the commercial, obviously. And we're going to start things off with the Detective Comics number 1059. Uh, the Seven, Part One. This was written by Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamis, um, with his, what's going to end up being a handover of the title. 
with our insight, I imagine, with our inside and out from Ivan Reyes, Danny Miki, and Brad Anderson, and lettering from Ariana Marr. The issue starts with Riddler broadcasting on pirate radio, promising to ask questions to answer the questions of Gotham's citizens. And yes, I uh, I know I speak funny sometimes, but I read that 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 sentence correctly. Meanwhile, the Honorable Judge Donovan sentences one Martin Ashton to 25 years in Blackgate without parole. After the trial, she finds a bomb. Batman shows up, of course, in the nick of time, and there's a second one, too. A bomb, that is, not Batman. Well, there's a second Batman, but in a different city. You know what I mean. After her mom. Deb Donovan, reporter extraordinaire, finds out she rushes to the hospital and starts asking her daughter questions, who doesn't take it well and tells her mom to leave it alone. Before the st- being the stellar reporter that she is, she knows something is up. She gets kicked out of her daughter's room by her daughter and then runs into Bruce in the hallway, who goes on to flirt with the judge in her room and actually sets up a date with her. Later on in the Batment, which is Bruce's basement, that's the name I just gave it, he's examining the bomb pieces for a bit and then he heads out to track them down. He finds one who willingly turns herself in and then another who, rather than talking, shoots himself right right in the head, right in front of Batman. Meanwhile, maybe... Judge Donovan isn't quite so honorable. She gets a call from Chase Meridian, and it's bad business. You know that because she didn't want Chase calling her on that phone at all. Um, And I thought Chase Meridian was supposed to be a good guy now running Arkham Tower. Of course not. But then it ends with the judge seemingly in quite the tight place, sounding like she's in some crooked shit. Um... Uh, the book looks great, and of course it does because it's got Reyes and Miki on it. Other than one panel, the one where the guy shoots himself, Batman's face. Um, I'm going to say it's probably the eyes that's messing it up, but it just looks weird to me. But other than that, there's a really decent story set up. It's very interesting, and like I s- said, the art is great. Uh, we have a backup, too. Um, this is here for some reason, though I'm not sure why. Written by Cena Grace with art from David Lapham. Or Lapham. Uh, colors from Trish Mulvihill and lettering by Rob Lee. This is a story that didn't need to be told about a character that didn't need to be created. I am not a fan of Gotham Girl. I thought that whole thing was pretty lame. However... Cena Grace makes me interested in her, and I don't know how she manages to do it. Uh, where she is now, what's going on, I, I never thought I would give two squirts of piss about Gotham Girl at all, but uh, I do. Um, the art is pretty dope throughout, even with those thick-ass lines that are in there, um, which is something I complain about. On the regular, 7.5 out of 10 from Gotham Girl, which of course averages out to an 8.5 and makes this a well-purchase, a a well-thought-out purchase, excuse me. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to keep on going with the comic books in Deathstroke number 8. 
written by Joshua Williamson, art from Paolo Patalena, colors from Romulo Fiardo Jr., Steve Wands on letters, and a wicked cool cover from John Boy Myers. Again, it's Shadow War Part 3. And it starts off with Angel Breaker holding a sword to Raptor's throat, asking where Deathstroke is, and then going on to deliver a monologue about how everything Deathstroke will die. Naturally. We switch over to a tour of San Francisco's underground, attended by disguised Slade and Respawn, who hopefully gets a regular name soon. Seems like a good kid. He deserves one. Okay, maybe not quite a good kid. He's the evil version of Damien, who didn't exactly start out to be so great. But anyway, soon they leave the group and head to one of Slade's lairs he set up there because that is where the Titans had set up shop. And they talk some about his impersonator and how he'll train Respawn properly once the dust settles on that whole identity deal, or rather the stolen one. One thing is adamant, though, Deathstroke decisively shuts down the idea that Respawn has, which is that he wants to be just like Deathstroke. Not too happy about that. I can relate as a dad. Now on over to the bat and the demon's daughter, where Bruce and Talia are sharing a kiss, which they then quickly dismiss. Talia tells Bruce about Damien, uh, and what he has shown her and rage that people can change for the better, which is honestly, it seems to confuse Batman. They get interrupted by Angel Breaker, who tosses Raptor on the floor. Raptor casually tosses a compliment about how well Damien did in the death tournament, and Bruce says, what death tournament? Seems Batman is in the dark about a lot of things, and the whereabouts of Damien, Deathstroke's impersonator, the tournament, Talia sending her shadows to kill everything Deathstroke. Oh, and apparently the Angel Breaker stays in touch with Ghostmaker. Everyone argues, everyone fights, Batman and Raptor get away separately, and Talia orders Angel Breaker to track Raptor because she thinks he'll lead them to Deathstroke. Well, Raptor only calls him and warns him about the shadows and Batman. Doesn't go there, so that doesn't work. Slade says they'll stick underground for a while, and that's when they get attacked in a safe house that no one knows exists by Robin and Ravager. To be continued in Robin, which we'll cover next, but first, this issue. So pretty and damn, it really seems like Williamson is about to stick the landing here, but again, we'll see soon. This has been a really good story. The start of it had me apprehensive, but I love where it went, which is completely opposite of what I usually get from a Williamson book. But so far, this is awesome, and again, the art is phenomenal. Death's, Deathstroke number 8 gets a 9.5 out of 10 from me. And Robin number 13, written by Joshua Williamson again with the art on the cover and inside from Roger Cruz, Norm Ratman, and Luis Guerrero with Troy Pateri on the letters. The issue starts out with Batman looking for Damien while Damien and Ravager take on Deathstroke and Respawn as we just heard in the last issue. The fight carries on and moves outside during a breather. 
Respawn and Slade tell Damien who Respawn is, and Damien thinks it's awesome that he has a brother. He even smiles, like Damien fucking smiled. While Damien seems happy, Respawn strikes out and starts to fight again out of jealousy of the life that Damien had and the love he was given. That is, until Batman shows up and is quite surprised by Respawn's face. Deathstroke says, that's my boy, not yours. <laughs> and what happened is quickly explained. And of course, that's when Angel Breaker shows up and causes some chaos, allowing Deathstroke and Respawn to escape. Damien convinces Bruce that Deathstroke is innocent because he can tell, uh, he can pick up any trace of lies on Respawn's face because he knows it. it's his own. So they go to hunt down Raish's real killer while calling in Ghostmaker and Clown Hunter to protect the member of Death's, members of Deathstroke, Inc. Oh, guys, holy crap. Robin and Respawn fighting it out, it, and it couldn't be more equal. That was just comic gold. Robin finally forgiving Batman under the condition uh, so that they could work together under the condition that he gets to drive the Batmobile and then showing Batman in the back seat and Ghostmaker and Clown Hunter are a part of Batman Inc. These are all things that are just awesome, man. Add to that the amazing art, especially during the fight scenes. The action panels were great. However, honestly, there were a few times faces were off a bit, but still was mostly amazing. Man, this book, I'm telling you. This art is simply the best thing Williamson has ever done with the cape. Ever. Robin gets a 9.75 out of me. That's two almost 10s, followed by another 9.5 from me and one review. Week. This is a damn good week for comics. And we are finally going to end the podcast with the uh, end of the Justice League, it sounds like. Justice League number 75, another one written by Joshua Williamson with art from Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Terragana, and Matt Herms, lettering by Josh Reed, and a cover by Daniel Sampir and Alejandro Sanchez. Justice League Incarnate teleports the members of the Justice League to the House of Heroes with no warning and then tells them of the great darkness. They gather to show the Justice League what's going on and they run into Pariah who explain why he's, part, why he's a part of this and that it is actually his dark army. The heroes, Justice League and Justice League Incarnate, fight and realize that these enemies that they are familiar with are fighting differently, and it's because of the great darkness controlling them. First, the Spectre kills Jon Stewart, then Green Arrow manages to blow up the machine that was amplifying Pariah's powers. Right before Doomsday blows through him, blows him through, excuse me, four feet of ground. So Green Arrow blew up the machine that was amplifying Pariah's powers, and then Doomsday just buried his ass, like, rather forcefully. Sorry I screwed that up the first time. So Ali is dead. The Justice League surround him, Pariah, that is, ready to take him down. Dr. Multiverse warns that he is too powerful, but they don't listen. 
pariah disintegrates. I mean, you see the skin falling away. All that's left is bone. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman go first. Then the rest of the team, Zatanna, Aquaman, Hawk Girl, Martian Manhunter, Captain Carrot, President Superman, all the rest of the Incarnate team, everyone, are vaporized. Black Adam attacks him and is nearly killed as well. Until he calls out Shazam, which knocks them both out. We go to the Hall of Justice, where John, Wally, Firestorm, and more are gathered. Uh, wondering where the Justice League has disappeared to. They all hear what they think is a bomb, and it was really Black Adam crashing into the hall, still nearly dead to tell them that the Justice League, all of them, have died. Why didn't Black Adam... Why didn't Black Adam revert to his old age when he said Shazam? Because I'm pretty sure that's supposed to happen. Um, pulling the Justice League all at, in together via uh, um, non-consensual teleportation felt a little bit too convenient. Um, Superman dressed in his normal costume felt odd. The deaths were just super quick. Um, the dark army that they were fighting really only killed two people. And then Pariah himself took out the rest of the entire team. I thought that was weird as shit. Uh, How he was able to do so so easily was weird as shit. How the quintessence was corrupted. The specter, specter especially. All of this together makes for a strange yet really flat and predictable story. It's full of action, but it's boring, and I'm not sure how it managed to do that. And the dialogue was pretty corny at times, heavily so at the beginning. Like I said a few times before, and I'm saying it again right now, I don't have a whole lot of hope for Dark Crisis. This was underwhelming, and it's the lead-in to a huge event. It's literally this issue's job to be spectacular. Other than Robin and Deathstroke, really, I've been let down a, quite a lot by great buildups. Uh, and Robin and Deathstroke aren't over with, so I'll have to wait and see how they go, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think it will kind of suck, and the heroes will stay gone, but not as long as originally intended. Um, so I think that as far as that over overreaching arc goes with the heroes being gone, I... I I think they were calling for six months. Um, I think the whole thing will be resolved within a year. If I'm right about how unpopular this issue is going to be received and the uh, repercussions of it, I, I think we may even see the heroes come back earlier than that. Regardless of when it happens, it, it definitely is going to happen. So, uh, Again, I gave this I gave this a seven out of ten, and um, I mean I'm 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 really let down by this, but uh, in any case, let's go to the good stuff. It is now time for my top three, and in third place, I'm going to put Deathstroke. Followed in second place, eking by just a little tiny bit, we've got Robin, 
And for the first place, the one that I would not spoil for you guys, I really need you to go out and get it. This is the main story in Action Comics. Phenomenal, beautiful in both story and art, and that was absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, my favorite moments were, of course, uh, I'm going to... I've got mine, but I've come up with a couple extra ones because... I have, uh, I'm lacking in some co-hosts, so we're gonna, I'm, th- I'm throwing a few extra ones in there. First, uh, I've got Bruce saying, what death tournament? When Raptor mentions it, that was hilarious to me. Uh, Robin finally forgiving Batman under the condition that he gets to drive the Batmobile, and then showing Batman in the backseat, that's what sold it for me, laughed my butt off on that one. The credit page of Action Comics, so, so beautiful. Uh, the close-up of Dark Side, another beautiful page. It was gorgeous, and it's really weird to say that a picture of Dark Side was gorgeous. And finally, um, I'm going to throw on, as a favorite moment, the opening page of Justice League. It was stunning. Now, unfortunately, that is going to lead us to the next segment, which is... The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. And I I have to put Justice League number 75 here. Ultimately, it was a letdown for something that is supposed to be the most important thing that happened this week and essentially the most important thing that is happening in DC Comics right now. This was, for me, it was a dull letdown to a rather dull arc that had that was there to begin with. Um, the multiverse stuff I just haven't really enjoyed uh, other than Captain Carrot. <laughs> Seeing him was great, but... That's about as far as that goes, though. Uh, Justice League number 75 absolutely 100% deserves to be on the stank list. And that is it for the show, everyone. It is a rather quick one covering a lot of books. But again, it was just me. I appreciate you hanging in there with me for a different kind of show this week. Want to... uh, Thank you for supporting Not A Robot Podcast and your listenership. And, of course, you can, again, do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR Podcast. I believe that's what it is. And maybe Not A Robot Podcasts. Um, You'll have to go and look. I don't have that in front of me. But in any case, uh, you can follow us at Not A Robot Comics on Twitter. And I think I'm going to go ahead and end the show there. Uh, As always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Be good to yourself, be good to each other, and don't be a robot.